0: It's time to Accelerate! Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 626, 626 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record, and another episode of Frontline Friday with my very special guest and co-host, Bridget Gleason. In today's episode, we're going to talk about character and values And the importance and connection of those traits to sales success. And we're going to get into what good character means for sales and how that plays into the buyer's perception of salespeople and their ability to build trust-based relationship and their willingness to do business with a vendor. A lot of it boils down to character. So if you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 626. And as I've been mentioning this week, if you're a top performer in your current sales role, and you're looking for a fresh challenge to take your career to the next level, then CenturyLink should be at the top of your list. I mean, I've been mentoring sales and professionals for years and i found that one of the most important elements to career success is aligning yourself with a company that develops its employees, values their customers, and has a portfolio of products that can compete with anyone in the world. So in, with its recent acquisition of Level 3, the new CenturyLink is a world leader in providing cloud security, real-time communications, hybrid IT, and managed services. So, if you want the excitement, challenge, and rewards that come from selling industry-leading solutions to the enterprise, then visit centurylink.com forward slash accelerate and join their talent community. Once you join, a member of their team will reach out, connect, and see if a career at CenturyLink is the right next step for you. All right. Let's fire up Frontline Friday. Bridget, 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 how you doing?
1: Andy, Andy, Andy. Yeah. Fantastic. fantastic. Excellent. Great. It's
0: fantastic, and you, you've weathered the literal storm in Boston. You've come out on the other side.
1: Yeah, and you know what? When it's I don't know forty degrees, I feel like it's summer. Like I'm so like, <laughs> oh my god, this is great. I've really, I've really taken, I, I've taken to the East Coast. I, I'm, I've embraced it.
0: Yeah, when I was a kid in Wisconsin, I mean, when it got to 40, like in January sometime, you get this odd day, it would pop up to 40. That was like t-shirt weather.
1: Oh, I know. And I think it's getting, um, I think it's going to get warm. Like, wow, it's going to get to the 50s. 57. In January. Look at that. And then it's going to drop a bit, but that's okay. It
0: could be good weather for those people who are going to be watching the, the Patriots. That's right. That's right. A, their first playoff game. We're, so we're recording a couple weeks ahead of time. So we don't know the results. Of what's going to happen?
1: Yes, we don't know. So we
0: don't know. We don't know whether that blow up written about between the owner and Belichick and Brady, whether that's fake news or real, real news. news. Yeah. I'm sure it dominated the airwaves in New England this week.
1: Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Gosh, Boston. We, we, I was going to say they, it's we. It's we. We take our, t- we take our team seriously. So what you're saying is so. you've
0: shifted your alliances from the Niners to the Patriots? Well,
1: no, no, okay. I haven't said that, but I've got okay. dual alliance. Like All right. I'm able to love, it's like I love two kids. I love mm-hmm. them both.
0: Okay. One's not your favorite.
1: No, no, I definitely don't have a favorite. <laughs> okay. Definitely don't have a favorite. All right. So we're going right. to, d- d- we're
0: going to talk about um, an article I'd published for my subscribers to my newsletter, um, which I haven't subscribed to. The newsletter I know you have, but others that are listening Is you, know, you get some great content every, every week, and actually we're going to start doing it a little more frequently than weekly. Um, but I reflect on what I learned of the six from the doing the recording 600 episodes of the show. And done, a lot of times people have asked me what I've learned. And so I thought, okay, I've had 600 in-depth conversations, more than 600 in-depth conversations with, you know, some of the sharpest minds in sales and marketing and management and leadership. So, I thought I'd summarize some of what I I've learned. Great. Okay. So, first one that I talked about was that I read these so I kind of had
1: cheated, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, well, I know you've read them. Good. So, yeah. is that selling has changed less than people want to believe. Meaning that you know, despite all the buzzwords and technology flooding into sales, that it really hasn't changed that much. I mean, effective business-to-business selling is still primarily about what happens in those person-to-person moments when the seller has to communicate and deliver value to the buyer. And, yeah, those can't be outsourced to technology today. I mean, maybe at some point, but not yet today. So I think that as long as people continue to, and I think my guests have been unanimous in believing this too. Is as long as sellers can maintain that focus on developing their skills and their craft, and you know the fundamental principles of selling, that regardless how the technology changes and customer buying behaviors change, you're still going to be in a good position.
1: Uh, is that a question? No, no. That was. That was that <laughs> I mean, was, I agree. That was yes. a statement. Yes. Yes, hundred percent agree. Okay. Perfect.
0: So, I think the next one, though, maybe we discuss more. Let's
1: disagree. Okay. Well,
0: I don't know if we disagree. Let's find
1: some we can, let's find some we can disagree on. Okay.
0: Okay. So, the next one is that one of my conclusions after 600 episodes of, and interviews and conversations with people is that technology is going to have a massive impact on sales and sales outcomes, but it's not having that impact yet. So okay. uh, you know despite sort of this massive infusion of technology into sales I've not seen data that is is you know rigorously collected data that exists to prove that it's contributing the technology is contributing to either higher levels of sales per individual or ele- elevated levels of of sales productivity so even though there've been entire business models of created around this assumption that you know <laughs> that that this is happening, you know, that the productivity is improving and performance is improving due to the technology. I don't think it's evident that's the case. And it will be. It's not yet, but it will be. And I and I, in the article, I reference uh, one of my favorite sayings uh, from Roy Amara, who is a futurist and unfortunately passed away a, a number of years ago. But he's famous for his formulation called Amara's Law, which is quote. We tend to overestimate the effect of a technology in the short run and underestimate the effect in the long run. And I believe that's, that's what's happening with sales. I think, yeah, there's a lot of huge potential with the tools and technologies that are coming into it. We just really don't know how to use them yet. Or maybe this, this generation isn't quite the generation. The next set of features coming and so on will really help us. Not just, you know, help us help the customer do a better job making decisions, too
1: yeah i uh, I mean, i I fundamentally agree with it. I guess the only thing that I would add is I think that, in some cases, we'd be worse off without the technology. I think we would go backwards. So I sort of feel like we're just treading water yeah. because i think I think the environment has changed. I think it's it, just how far down the funnel, a buyer can go without having to interact with a salesperson. Mm-hmm. I think there are just technology. I, th- I think there are technologies around sales that have emerged, and I think that's made it difficult. Then, like we're almost having to u- use technology to almost fight technology, and I, I don't think we figured out uh, the best way to integrate them all. But I think without technology. I do think we'd be. I think we'd be further behind. Possibly,
0: yeah. I, th- I think I can. I can buy into some of that. I, but I don't think it's it's helping the way people think it is either. And and it certainly is not as one of the problems is is that certainly through the people I've spoken to on the show, I mean a, a good chunk of those people, uh, you have sort of a vested interest in <laughs> in you know monetizing and selling these tools and technologies. And there's a lot of groupthink that goes into it. That That's yeah, this, true with this, anything, right, with just anything. But this yeah. must be helping. And to your point, yeah, I think in certain segments that we sell into, you absolutely need the technology and use it in order not to go backwards, as you talked about. But it hasn't changed the ultimate outcomes for us in terms of becoming more productive. You know, that each salesperson during an eight-hour period is going to be able to produce 20% more revenue. Now, I think that day is coming. I mean, and I don't think yeah. it's, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a function purely of, of getting rid of twenty percent of the salespeople. Therefore, the remaining but sales eighty percent of salespeople all raise their their productivity twenty percent. I mean, there's going right. to be some of that, but I at some point I think somebody's going to figure out the equation that says, look, we look at all, all, I'll say. I don't say all categorically, but almost all of the, the tools that are being sales tools that have been released in the last two, three, five years, they're all sales-centric. And there's, there are very few that, that say, yeah, how can, I, how can I solve the buyer's problem as well? Which is the buyer wants to quickly gather information to make a good decision with you know, the least investment of time and effort that they can. And, and we, I, that's like, to me, that's like a chasm that still has to be bridged. And if the technology can do that, then I think, wow! Then the productivity just starts skyrocketing.
1: And you don't think um, you don't think the technologies are also designed to improve that salesperson, uh, prospect, or customer experience?
0: What there are some. I didn't want to say all, but there are some. Okay. I mean, there are some tools. I've seen some sales enablement tools like um, Showpad. You know, that mm-hmm. I think is is designed with the idea of improving the buyer experience. And and so there are some that are out there. Yeah. But by and large, the vast, vast majority. It's yeah, it's all about us and our sales process and so on. And so I said I think that's a a chasm that's still to be bridged, and I think smarter people than me have to figure out how they're gonna bridge that. And when they do, then I think we st- Really, start seeing a huge, huge impact from the the investment in technology.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. I yeah. hope so. I hope we do. I actually, I don't know that we will. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know that that's going to make. I, I think we're just trying to keep up, and maybe it goes back to your earlier point that I think what's really going to be the differentiator is it just the raw sales skills that somebody has, and and some of the. Mm-hmm. Uh, intuition and empathy and listening and really trying to understand i so maybe technology will help with that but i i i think we're just going to keep just more barriers come up to connect you know it's easy i very rarely uh, almost never answer my phone if it's somebody i don't know so and responding to email it's very difficult to get through to me and so I don't know. I guess there are more barriers, and a lot of technology is trying to break those down or get around them.
0: Yeah, well, I think we don't know. I think that that's why I'm optimistic, is because you know, ten years ago, five years ago, even you know, before even some of these more recent sales development platforms and other tools started coming out, I think it's not just a matter of the technology. I think it's also the technology is going to show us a different way to use them. And and I think, to your point, yeah, it's it's hard to get hold of people. It's always been hard to get people on the phone, and now it's getting hard to get people, hold of people via email, and yet those are the tools that most sellers rely on. So uh, it seems like true. there's a solution in there somewhere that's going to evolve, and I'm again, I don't know what that is, but I, I'm pretty confident. Unless I think Amara's law is, Amara's law is, is right on, is that or it's going to get us there. It's just not sure what er, iteration. Just we're the in. timing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You'll probably be retired and slipping my ties on the beach.
1: Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I like that. I like that prediction. Let's but, let's talk more about that prediction.
0: <laughs> well, I can that's predict good that I'm going to be having my ties on the beach next week. But um, that's not the earliest. As... The lucky
1: ones. You're what? one of the lucky ones. Yeah, true. That's true. Extremely
0: grateful. That'll be. I'll be having my ties on the beach next week. That'll be
1: great. That'll be great. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody should try it.
0: Everybody should try it. So uh, the next thing, then, so we talked about impact of technology. Is this whole idea of the science of selling? So there's there's, I think we're not paying enough attention to the science of selling, and sort in sort of two dimensions. And I think there are sort of two dimensions about the science of selling that. Get discussed. One is the science of selling is touted by what I call the data or analytics camp. You know, they've years, three, four years ago, seeing articles you know proclaiming the death of the art of selling because it's all about the data. The data will tell you exactly what to do, when to do it, blah blah blah. And you know that in my mind, that's just that's plain silly, right? Because that's that's we've no we know the math behind what many people call the science of selling the math has been around for forever. I mean, sales is, is a numbers game. I think, I think our limitation, really, when it comes to data, the real science in, in there, is that we, we don't really know how to use that data. You know, we are generating more data, but I think we're, our ability to produce the data outstrips our ability or the ability of sales leaders to rationally use that data and make better decisions.
1: Uh, here here i think it's hard there's 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 no shortage of data but analyzing the data i think that's i think that's always been an issue and i think in some ways now it is more complicated because we've got the ability to collect just about everything and so you get a lot of stuff that gets thrown in there and how do you analyze it how do you what's what's what factors really correlate? what just happens um aren't correlated, but maybe they're more I don't want to say coincidental, but maybe they're connected in some way, well, yeah, not causal. and so I think the analysis is hard. And you've got more data points that you're also uh, dealing with,
0: yeah, and and data is really tricky, and that's the thing is is we, yeah, you know, there are people, data scientists, and they're there for a reason because it's it's a complicated business. Yeah. And especially when we're humans, we're dealing with our own confirmation biases and all the other cognitive biases that interfere with our ability to rationally look at the data. Because yeah, we see correlations that all, the, all the time in all this data that are spurious at best. Um, mm.
1: That's a good word.
0: Yeah, and the, but they're there. I mean, and and data scientists and math statis, statisticians.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, you're tr- you're struggling with that one, but
0: statisticians. Um, you know, thought good. I'd had my Mai Tai already. Um, I know.
1: I was going to say, really? Yeah. Is it next week?
0: Yeah, it must be the cold weather here affecting me. But um, but they see that. I mean, they, there's examples. Reading this book on data and how we misuse data, and yeah you know, there's a correlation I trying to see if I get this right. I think it's like between the number of days of sunshine in America, Samoa and uh, the number of lawyers in California, it was something like that. I was like there's a correlation you know statistical correlation that's like, yeah, but does that really mean anything right?
1: yeah, exactly
0: so um, so anyway uh, so I think again I think we're just on the, the cutting edge, not the cutting edge, we're on the beginning, the leading edge, let's say, of, okay. of data in sales. And like everything, you know, certain aspects of it have been overhyped. We need to pay attention to it. We need to get better at using it. We need to understand and train people how to use data. I mean, mm. I'm not an expert at it. I mean, I, I pay attention. I've read about it. You know, I know some things I need to look, look out for when analyzing data. I've become much more proficient over the last five years or so, but it's yeah, I'm not an expert, right? And so we need to we need to train people how to actually use use data. So that's one. another thing on the science of selling obviously is is, you know, about the whole revolution in social psychology that has occurred over the past fifty years. You know, Daniel Kahneman, uh Baller, you know, all these names, Simon and so on, that, that research this talk about how we you know how our brains work, how we make decisions, how mm. we're influenced, or how we influence people in turn. And I don't think that gets enough attention. I mean, there was an excellent book that came out last year, actually 2016, called "The Science of Selling." David Hoffeld wrote it. He was on the show. Um, yeah, a lot of lot of information in there, and you don't have to believe that all of it is true. You know, but there's enough in there that. That is really important. That I think if you're in sales and your business is building relationships with other people, in order to you know inspire and influence them to to make a decision to buy your product, yeah, you know, I think every hour you can spend learning more about how people's minds actually work. That's a huge investment and an important. It's investment really it,
1: it, people buy from people. It's I I agree with you. It's critically important. It can't be overlooked. Shouldn't be overlooked. It can be. And it is. And it is. It probably shouldn't be overlooked.
0: Well, and the thing is that when we talk about influence, and this is the thing that's, that's so tricky, when we talk about influences, people tend to associate that as sort of a negative, right? We're, we're influencing people. Um,
1: and they sometimes like to say
0: manipulate. Or manipulate, right. But the fact is, you know, we are influencing them you know if we come from a position of of service and wanting to help customers yeah there's nothing wrong with influence you're not doing a negative sense you're not tricking them into buying something they didn't want i mean that there are people obviously try that but hopefully people in our audience yeah that's that's not their game they understand they're there to help somebody and yeah you're trying to influence them to make the right decision
1: yeah and i i think that distinction between uh, influence and manipulate. Manipulate often has a very negative connotation. You're you're trying to get someone to do something, uh, often against their their will or their better judgment. And I think in influence, uh, hopefully the reps with integrity. And I think those are the ones that are going to survive as uh, because trust is so important. Mm-hmm. You do want to influence but influence, as you say for the uh, on behalf of the customer right you want to share with them something that you know that is powerful and important you think could be helpful to them
0: exactly exactly. okay, so the next one the next issue was that you know, at the beginning of my show I, I over the last 250, 300 episodes I've led with the same question which is you know what's sort of the biggest challenge facing sales reps today? And the number one answer is that salespeople are overwhelmed. And so, from all these conversations I've had, or 600 plus, is, is yeah, my concern is that we're overcomplicating sales and overwhelming our salespeople. And, yeah, I'm not sure, or we're not sure collectively what, you know, we know this, we got high, in certain fields, we you know, higher turnover than we've had in the past in, in certain sales jobs. But it's it's um, this is a problem, and if we're gonna you know, build this profession and then get people inspired to invest time and effort in their their careers into into sales, uh, we have to address this issue somehow.
1: How uh, how do you think about that? How do you think about addressing that? Well,
0: one is I think that that what again, based on the conversations having is is many sales leaders many. And these people interviewing obviously are founders, uh, you know, business owners, so on. Is that that part of it is this this rush to adopt technology in certain sectors, you know, creates uh, you know this immense learning curve uh, burden, if you will, on sales teams to learn the tools, learn the processes, uh, you know, being judged in in very you know minute minute terms in terms of their activities. And that's it's a lot. You know, it's it's a it's it's tough. It's a tough environment. But somehow we have to to rationalize that. I mean, sales has always been tough, right? I mean, it's, it's tough yeah, when I you got so. started. Tough when I got started. And, you know, we had many of the same pressures. We, one thing we didn't have is we didn't have you know <laughs> to learn as many tools to be able to reach our customers and and so on. Um, but it's it's interesting. It's just sort of the common, the most common answer, probably I would say... Is being overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, probably 50%. Mm. Mm. Now, do you see that with your team?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, I do. I think some of it, I think, is a function of people not having also good time management skills and uh, they're not skillful at prioritizing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that plays a part that we just we haven't equipped them. I, th- I think there's some of it that can be handled with helping to prioritize, but I do think there are a lot of demands put on a salesperson. I don't know that they're more than they were before, maybe because there's more technologies that they need to uh, master and understand. But we're also primarily dealing with people. At least I am that are they're digital natives. So. I think for me, the luddite, it's a bit more challenging. But I think for most of them, I don't think the technology is necessarily what they struggle with.
0: Well, I think the technology could be distracting. I mean, digital natives notwithstanding, and I think that that yeah, you know, we're seeing even in the last couple of weeks you know, this more and more voices being raised about concerns of of concerns associated with with the broad use of technology and how addictive and distracting it's become. Oh, yeah. And so it's, it's you know, not a leap to say, sure, we've got digital natives. They should be learning. These. They probably learn these tools more quickly. But by the same token, potentially, and I'm not sure that's the case, but potentially also more distracted by it, too.
1: Well, I think, yeah, just more distracted in general, that people still have this belief that you can multitask, which you can't.
0: No. No, no, that would be, that'd be one of the great things to teach <laughs> teach kids early in their educational careers is Focus. Yeah, focus. Yeah. 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 I it's agree. Not in the curriculums anywhere, but it's it's something that doesn't really manifest itself. Well, I'm sure it does more these days. And you know, if you're a AP student in high school and taking all these AP classes and you're trying to do sports and you're trying to do college applications and community service, then yeah, you probably get a good sense of it even now. But um all right, so last one we'll touch on is that's um, certainly been a consensus among my guests, and it's certainly my, my belief as well, is that our sales leaders and salespeople are not investing enough in their own development. And it'd be great if, you know, as corporate leaders, we were always able to set aside time every day to, to be able to invest in our people's development, but, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't happen. It's I'd probably... Unrealistic to assume that companies will see the light on that. And so we sort of push it onto people on their own time to get better and to learn. And yeah, you know, it's just, again, the consensus among among guests is it's it's just not happening.
1: I I would say that's true also. Um, Not universally, though. There are, like, I just think about my team. There are certain people on the team who are. Uh, much more aggressive about their own learning and they'll listen to podcasts and they'll read books and they'll go to meetups. I mean they're very aggressive about it and there are others that I can make suggestions and recommendations and I'll we've got you know onboarding and that and they'll do that they'll do they'll do the onboarding they may, pick up a couple of recommendations. Typically not. It's got to be really short. Um, so they're not as invested. So I think it's mixed. Uh, and I guess it's just what the expectation is. I, I'm very curious by nature. I'm, uh, I love learning. I love new things. So I don't know that I'm a good barometer of what should be expected. Uh, but I, I see a bit of a mix. But more for sure, um that sit back or that kind of sit back mm-hmm. and wait as opposed to really dive in.
0: Yeah, I think it's and I I think this is one of the important issues. And I'm not sure there's yeah, you know, what the solution is, but but I think that this is one that that if we really want to look at elevating productivity across an industry, you know, across a profession if you will, let's say B2B sales. People just have to get smarter, and it just it takes an investment of time. And again, it's not time that's necessarily going to be in your work day. And so, you know, people I guess have to perceive themselves as being a little more entrepreneurial, and yeah. by being more entrepreneurial, saying, "Look, I, if I'm an entrepreneur, I can't rely on anybody else to you know do <laughs> I, certain I, things." Absolutely, I never I
1: to, right.
0: I have to be myself, and I think to me that's that's a mindset that certainly I'm going to talk more about in the coming years is, you know, how do we get sellers to be more entrepreneurial? And I'm certainly not the first one to talk about it, but it's, I think that that I remember back in my early days, is, you know, a manager saying to me is, hey, you're great thing about being in sales. You're CEO of your own business.
1: I, I remember that early on too. Sure. And that was one of the, tr- the attractions. Yeah, that was one of the very, very much one of the attractions.
0: Right. So I don't hear it talked enough about. I've i read a book recently, um, which stressed that. Which I was you know, like, yay, you know, glad to see somebody, see somebody else really talking about that. But I think it's a mindset for people listening is to think about this. Is you know, this is this is your business. You you got territory. You've got a set of accounts. Yeah, whatever. Own it. Own it. And, Own it. Um, you know, know that by owning it, that maybe you even. Learn you know, where your deficiencies are in terms of owning it, how you could optimize the business you're developing from your, your business that you, you own, your territory you own, and be inspired to you know, pick up a book, listen to a podcast. Because at this point, you know, I think if rather than set yourself a goal of having you know, to read a book a week or even a book a month, you know, if you could read three, four books a year on sales, you know, you're ahead of 95% of the people out there.
1: Oh, yeah. And there's so much to learn.
0: Just Always. there's so
1: much to learn. Always. And it's, it's. I mean, for me, it's endlessly fascinating, but, um, you know, that's me. Yeah.
0: Well, you're curious. I'm curious. I mean, I, I again, I was reading this book I just, just talked about, and <laughs> I, mean, it's, I was laughing. When I was going back through it today. It's because it's like, oh, I've highlighted about 50% of the book. The things that I thought were really interesting and different perspectives or a different way of saying something that it's like, hey, this is what we want in sales, right? This is how we get better. It's it's we may think we know something, but maybe somebody comes along and has just a different way of expressing it or looking at that particular challenge or problem that opens your eyes in a way they never were before.
1: Yeah. And I just I think that's yeah, really interesting. Sometimes just the way somebody phrases it or the story they tell. Um, even things that I've known just to have them presented in a new mm-hmm. way gives me additional insight.
0: Absolutely. So, all right, well, unfortunately we need to cut short but um we'll come back and do this after the next 600.
1: All right. <laughs> Whenever that is. <laughs>
0: yeah, I live so long. Uh um, Maybe you live so long. That's yeah. a good, that's
1: a good that's a sounds like an Irish blessing.
0: Yeah, right. So, all right, Bridget, Captain Fantastic. Oh, as always, been fantastic. Friends, thank you for joining us, and
1: uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Sounds great. Have a great one.